This week we're talking about growing in lockdown. Growing in lockdown. Now, let me get a bit of uh, uh, a few questions here for you all to answer either in the chat box or you can unmute yourself. What do we know about Paul's situation in Acts 28? What do we already know about Paul? He's in prison, Barry. Yes, house arrest. Basically imprisoned in that sense. That's right. What else do we know? He's under arrest in Etta, yes? Uh, he stayed there for two years. He was there for two years in that house. That's quite a while. He's under guard. Yes, he's got a guard with him. Uh, maybe they were doing it in shifts. Joy, that's right. He's meeting up with other Christians in his house. Timothy, um, Epaphroditus, and many others. He's writing letters. Yes, John and Lynn. He writes many letters, including some we will be looking at a little bit today. He's being hospitable. Yes, because he's got other people coming in. Jewish leaders from Rome are coming in. Simon, he's got an armed guard. He's got an armed guard. Yes, Simon, that's right. Thank you. He's writing. He's welcoming people there from church. Yes, he is indeed. Yep. Other people come to him from other places and other churches to visit him. Paul's not, um, Paul's not idle and Paul is uh, definitely stuck in some ways, but he's not stuck in other ways. He adapts, he's creative and God's spirit works in his life to enable him to continue to do great things for him and to build up and expand the kingdom. And so we're going to talk a bit about that today uh, in terms of, of uh, how he grew in lockdown and how the word of God grew in lockdown. So he's there for a good while. Um, and you may be forgiven for thinking that, you know, this would have been a barrier to the word of God growing and to spiritual growth if you're stuck in such a limited situation. Many things are growing right now. Uh, the national debt debt is growing, that's for sure. Um, collective anxiety across our society is growing. Uh, I feel a sense of frustration growing in me. I don't know about you, about where, you know, when's this going to end? There's a lot of things that are growing, but could some healthy things be growing? And I, I think they can and I and are. And I think we see in Paul some things that will help us to have a, hopefully a positive as, uh, uh, perspective on how things can grow in a good way for however long this goes on and whatever it looks like in a week or a month or a year or even five years from now. So first of all, the Word of God grows in lockdown. It grows, it spreads. Now, in uh, the little book of Philemon, you know, that letter that Paul wrote to Philemon, uh, who is a leader of a house church, you may remember that uh, in the context of that letter, which we won't look at in detail now, one of Philemon's slaves ran away, which was a very serious offense in those days. You could be, uh, you could be killed for it um, or, or, or certainly beaten. It was a very dangerous thing to do, but for whatever reason, he left the household of Philemon, who is a Christian, and ran away. And somehow, and we don't know how, he found his way to Paul in Rome and found him in prison. It would be pure speculation to try and figure out how he ended up there and what, what caused it. But nonetheless, he does turn up with Paul in prison. And when Paul writes back to Philemon to say, you won't believe this, kind of, but you know that Anesimus chap who ran away? Well, he's with me. And it says at the beginning, or near the beginning of the book in Philemon, verse 10, Paul says, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus. That's the name of the slave who ran away. I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son 
while I was in chains. While I was in chains, in other words, while I was in this prison situation. This situation in my house, under house arrest, is the situation in which Onesimus became a Christian, my son, my brother, and he says I'm sending him back now as a brother. It's amazing the way that God arranged things, and again, we don't know exactly how, and I'd love to know. It's maybe one of those questions, you know, you've probably got a list of questions you want to ask God when we get to the next life, and what was Jesus really writing on the ground in John 8? And another one for me is, how did Onesimus end up in in Rome with Paul? I'm fascinated to know, but what we do see is that God is that Paul noticed that God had done something, that there wasn't it wasn't random that Onesimus turned up in his house, that God had a plan in this, and God had a, an opportunity for Paul to be able to teach the gospel to Onesimus and for him to not only become a Christian, but then to get reconciled with his Christian master in a way that would bring glory to God. And we now have this little letter called Philemon, which it's just a little personal letter but it means so much. And none of that would have happened unless Paul had seen the opportunity that God was giving him. And the other thing that we see in this passage in, uh, or we see in the situation in Acts, is that Paul had an impact even on his captors, right? He's got this guard there in Acts 28 verse 16. He's got a soldier to guard him. And we learn later from the book of Philippians that he had a spiritual impact on this guard or perhaps a set of them. Uh, in Philippians chapter 1, he's, he writes that from his uh, house arrest situation. In Philippians 1 verse 12, it says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me, in other words, his imprisonment, has actually served to advance the gospel. Because you might think it would be the opposite. It would restrict the gospel. But he says, actually, it's been the thing that has helped to advance the gospel. As a result, he says, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. So that one guard, or perhaps his uh, set of guards, perhaps they're on, they do shifts with Paul, all of those guards, and we must presume when he says the whole palace guard, other guards that are not necessarily directly connected to him coming to his house, but are connected to the guards who do, the whole palace guard, not just his guard, but the whole palace guard, the, the, the palace of the emperor, the, that's, the high, that's the highest you can go, his personal special bodyguard guarding people, all of them know about Paul. All of them know about Paul and they know why he's there, that he is in chains in his house arrest for Christ. Now that is quite something. We don't know the size of that guard, but it must have been quite numerous. If you're the emperor, you have a lot of enemies. You don't have one or two guards. You have a lot of guards. All of them know that he's there for Christ. The name of Jesus has begun to penetrate parts of the Roman Empire that had previously been unpenetrated and looked probably impenetrable. This is because of what happens to Paul. And he says later on in the book of Philippians, chapter 4, verse 22, he says, All God's people here send you greetings, writing to the Philippians, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. Now, I, I, this is mind-boggling, really. He says, God's people are sending you greetings. And who are some of God's people in Rome? Some of them are members of Caesar's household household. 
I don't know the exact equivalent today, but it's something like people from within 10 Downing Street and people who work in 10 Downing Street are sending you greetings as brothers and sisters or people in Buckingham Palace or I, I don't know exactly. And, and in your own countries that we all come from, you could think of your equivalents. But I can't imagine how, how would I I mean, I'm just trying to think, you know, how if I was to try and, and have a, a spiritual impact on people who worked in 10 Downing Street, how would I approach that? I don't know. I suppose I could write a letter. I could find out some of the people who work there. I could I could send emails to the prime minister's office or I don't know. But but God worked this out. God worked it out that through Paul, people in Caesar's household could not only hear the gospel, but they could become Christians. That's just amazing. And it's not what you'd have expected. It's not the way you might have expected it to be done, because I don't know about you, but I can't even imagine how it would be done. And yet God makes it work. So with that in mind, I'd like us to, to, to pause for a bit of discussion here. What are some of the ways that you can see that God is providing for you in this strange time to perhaps share the gospel in a way you might not have otherwise attempted or seen as an opportunity? Or what, what might be some of the creative ways we could share the gospel that we haven't thought about before. What's been coming to your mind? What have you seen being done online or amongst your friends or perhaps you've tried some things? What are some ways that we can creatively take the gospel to people that we've noticed God providing for us that we might not have thought about otherwise? Let's have a few minutes discussion about that. Uh, a quick few thoughts. Anybody want to share something briefly? Um. I just, I just think it's, it's God's sense of humor, really, as well as his power, how, um, you know, ironically, the whole concept of lockdown has actually broken down all the boundaries and barriers ge geographically. Um, and it's just been such a, I suppose, what's become really obvious from, from stories and great news being shared is that now we have the ability to connect with people all over the world, no matter where you live. Um, and people are able to uh, get to know God and grow in their relationship with God. And, um, and, and there's just no boundary for that, which is really inspiring. Yes, absolutely. Super. Anybody else? Thank you. I'll share. Yeah. Um, I'm just, I, I shared briefly on, and I'll try and keep it brief, but I'm just, <clears throat> sorry, really excited about what's happening in Hope Worldwide. I think you you all might hear a bit more about this in the coming months, so I, I can't say too much about it, but basically we've been doing some a lot of training online uh, and really connecting with um, other Hope um, entities or organizations in Europe um, and in Africa as well and in America, actually. So Hope is really uh, changing a lot. And uh, I, I just shared in the breakout room that through, through that, um, we, you know, we've been sort of inviting people to, to be mentors. And one particular person um, who's not in the church but has, uh, you know, come forward to say she'd like to become a mentor possibly. Uh, and we invited her to church and she joined one of the online sessions, which, you know, probably if, if it hadn't been for lockdown, I probably would have, if I just met her in the street, I probably, you know, wouldn't she might not have been interested so through hope basically um yeah people are, are you know coming in and hopefully we'll have a relationship with god fantastic thank you 
Thank you. Annetta, God is acting freely and mysteriously. Yes, that's right. Don, thinking about others, helping frontline workers, other vulnerable people. Absolutely. There are, I don't know about you, but the more vulnerable people have become more visible to me over the last few weeks and months, I would say, than perhaps before. Good stuff. Okay. We're going to go back into these groups in just a minute. Well, a couple of minutes. But one other thought. Oh, um, and by the way, um, just, just let me throw a couple of things out there. I do think there's no one way to respond to this in terms of continuing to help the gospel to go to more people. But I would suggest that those of us who are able to write, this is a great opportunity to write, to write things that, are, that matter to you in your faith and get them online. People are searching more online than they ever have before. People are searching about, for information about prayer, information about God. This is happening more and more. So any of us that can write uh, about our faith, uh, I know in Thames Valley, we're working on a new Thames Valley website, which is nearly ready. And one of the features on there is the idea to have a regularly updated blog written by members about writing about their faith. So if you can write even a paragraph, it doesn't have to be an essay, uh, something meaningful about your faith, we can put it up on there or we can put it up on my website or your own website if you have one. Similarly with podcasts, you know, recording and, and doing a podcast these days, it's honestly really easy. Some of us could do a podcast, even if it's only a few episodes. Some of us could record some YouTube videos, which we could put up, up talking about our faith, perhaps our own testimony, why I am a Christian. Could be just two or three minutes long, but you never know the significance of, of these things we put up online and how they sometimes they go viral when you need, least expect it. Uh, those of you who are, might be a little younger, uh, you know, TikTok and things like that. There are Christian versions of things on TikTok that have just gone exponentially huge. Um, why not use these things? Maybe we feel uncomfortable with it. Maybe we don't feel we understand it well, but, but some of us can and perhaps could and maybe should, you know, because if we can, we can, we should. So I think we need to look at these kinds of ideas and um, this is also, also something I'm interested in. So if you've got some thoughts on it or material or you'd like to contribute, then let's have a chat afterwards and let's see what we can work out either for Thames Valley or for Watford or, or whatever. I do think that's something for us to consider. But secondly, let's talk a little bit about spiritual growth in lockdown. And we'll finish with this thought and we'll have another breakout uh, session. One of the things that happened here with Paul is that being being in lockdown gave Paul the opportunity to, to practice what he preached. See, he wrote to the Roman church uh, earlier on in his life. In Romans 5, he says, Not only so, we also glory in our sufferings, he wrote. This is Romans 5, verses 3 to 5. We glory in our sufferings. That's quite something to say. I glory in my sufferings. I glory in lockdown. I glory, I don't know. But he says that because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, love, uh, our hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So that's what Paul says to the Romans. Look, you know, glory in suffering because you get perseverance, you get character, you get hope, and because it's all about the love of God, there's no shame involved there. That's awesome. Um, and then Paul finds himself in Rome, in prison, and he now needs to live it, right? And I think God does that sometimes in our lives. We, we know we believe things. We know we believe God is always with us. 
We know we believe he's always got our best interests at heart. We know in our minds, at least, that we can trust him for whatever circumstances we find ourselves in. We know that there's a purpose in all the things that God allows. We know that he can use all the circumstances of our lives, easy or difficult, to help us to grow and to be more full of joy and peace. And we know that the the peace that passes understanding is available always. And we know that the yoke of Jesus is light. And we know these are light and momentary troubles. And we know all these things. But these things are only things we know. They're not things that are in us, not things that are deep in us, not things that are shaping us until we're in the situations where those things become a struggle. It becomes a struggle to persevere. It's only then that we grow. We don't grow through just having the knowledge. We grow through the circumstances that make the knowledge and the experience and the feelings clash. They clash in us. And for Paul, I suspect, finding himself in this situation made what he believed and had written clash with his experience. And yet we see that he writes to the Colossians and the Philippians a couple of things, which I'll mention here. Colossians 1.24 I rejoice in what I am suffering for you. He says, I, he's saying, I found the way to rejoice in these sufferings. And I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. He sees a purpose in it. And again, that's to the Colossians chapter 1 verse 24. And again to the Philippians chapter 2 verses 17 to 18. He says, even if I am being poured out like a drink offering, on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith. So I'm being poured out like a drink offering. A drink offering is something that's poured out and is gone, done. You know, he's talking about the feeling of like, I'm dying here. Even if that's happening, he says, I am glad. He's, I'm glad. He feels it. He means it. He's glad. He's glad this is happening and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. He needs their prayers. He needs their support. But he said, but just be glad for me. Rejoice with me. Because this is the way God has planned it. And this is good for God. It's good for people. And it's good for me. He's, I sense in this that he is growing. He's learning to match up what he believes and what he has told other people to match it up with his own spiritual growth and experience. And we know that, the, that what God allows as discipline into our lives is for our good. That's Hebrews 12, verse 7 to 13, which I won't read all of now. But he talks there about being disciplined for our good. Uh, we've had human fathers that disciplined us. Okay, but that was just for a while. But God disciplines us for our good, our ultimate good, in order that we may share in his holiness. The challenges that you and I are facing are to develop the ability for you and I to share in the holiness of God. Now, that's spiritual growth. If we're going to talk about what is spiritual growth, learning how to share in the holiness of God, that's spiritual growth. And it's through these challenges that it happens. No discipline is pleasant, but painful. We can all say amen to that. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it. So strengthen your feeble arms and your weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. That is God's aim. So, okay, I'm going to send us back out into our breakout rooms for further discussion on 
what is it about this time that you sense is or could be a catalyst for your own spiritual growth? In what way is God getting your attention in the area of personal spiritual growth? Um, anybody like to share a highlight or a thing that was a particular learning or that was helpful before I wrap up? Yeah, um, we just, a lot of our group touched on how this time, um, you know, this time in Corona and lockdown has kind of forced us to focus on just the smaller things and just whether it's to look inward and, and kind of focus on your character or whatever, or just to find you know, peace and joy from the roses and the, just the small things, I think, and just to see God in the small things. Um, you know, and I think for me, yeah, it was kind of just, just such a good time to reflect more inward on ourselves and slow down and see things that we wouldn't normally see. And there's so many, you know, we're not, we're not as distracted, I think, as, as before. Okay, maybe distracted by other things, but... Oh. I guess it's not as easy to just take yourself out and go and be in a social setting somewhere and, you know, or whatever. Um, I think just maybe emotionally not distracted. Um, we've kind of had to come, to come to grips with where we're at and maybe even face more with our anxiety and mental health. And But yeah, I think just the point of finding, you know, just peace and joy in the smaller things, um, Definitely. Super. Thank you. Absolutely. Good. Anybody else? I see that Don's put, or Don and Julie, open to seeing needs, striving to connect, breaking out of the bubble. Yeah, yeah. Some of our bubble is real. Some of it's imaginary sometimes. <laughs> Penny, encouraging to hear how faithful others are in the difficulties. Yeah. I mean, you know, we have our own challenges, but then there are other people going through other things that when you learn about it, it's very inspiring. Thank you. Simon and Sarah, we all thought that so often our perceptions are so different to reality. God's point of view can be very different. Mm, painful, but that's okay. That's how we learn and grow. I'd really just encourage us to try and try, take some time to pray and ask for God's discernment as to what he's trying to help you and I, but us personally, focus on spiritually. Uh, is there a fruit of the Spirit um, or one of the aspects of the fruit of the Spirit that God is helping us to focus on uh, the joy or the patience or peace or what is it? Uh, is it an aspect of character? Is it one of the um, one of the blessings of the Beatitudes? Is it being merciful? Is it being a peacemaker? Is it uh, being pure of heart? Or Are there some things that when you stop long enough, to be with God and be conscious of being in his presence and ask him with an open heart, Father, what is it you, you want me to be learning? There may be, some, may be something that comes to you from that. And I'd encourage us to do that because even in this lockdown situation, I don't know about you, but I feel like I'm busier even than I was before lockdown. And that doesn't make any sense in some ways, right? But we can just still be so busy and I take what you said Francois about that moment you know we can take times to pause but we need to be deliberate about it because there's always something we could be doing so let's make sure we're doing that I personally I've uh, started using a, a new um, devotional app called Lectio 365 which I've been using every day for the last two or three four weeks now which I'm enjoying uh, I'm reading more books in particular books about prayer 
I'm reading Pete Gregg's book on how to pray at the moment, and I'm part of the Renovare Book Club, where we meet every other Monday night and talk about what we're learning about prayer. So I'm I'm just sort of branching out a little bit into some areas like like that. You may find something else for yourself. But this is, I'm sure, of whatever else is going on, I am sure that at least part of God's purpose that can come through this lockdown time is that we grow, we deepen, and we strengthen in our Christ-likeness. I'm sure of that. Bearing in mind, as we come towards our time of taking communion, that that is exactly the way that life was for Jesus. For Jesus, his life was a set of struggles and sufferings that prepared him for the ultimate end of his life and purpose of his time on earth, the conclusion of his time on earth. It says in Hebrews 5, verse 7 to verse 10, in Hebrews 5, during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him and was designated by God to be high priest in the order of Melchizedek. So even Jesus, as he began his earthly life, his adult earthly life, wasn't yet ready to be all that God had called him to be. And if he needed suffering to prepare himself for what he could be, then we need it too. And it's creative, and it is constructive, and it is painful, and it is disturbing, and it is uncomfortable, but it is good when we cooperate with it, as Jesus did. He demonstrated by his life that he cooperated with the refinement, the, perf- the perfection that God was bringing to him to be prepared for his death on the cross. And we benefit from that. That's why we're going to take some bread um, and some wine right now. We're going to take this to remind us of Jesus's willingness, what it says there, his reverent submission. Because of his reverent submission, we're able to be one with God. What an amazing thought. And may that be our inspiration to spread the word of God and to grow spiritually as we reflect on what Jesus did for us. Let's pray together and then we'll take 